All right, welcome back to another edition of Baseball Banter. I'm your host, Justin Gianelli. Uh, yes, a bit of a bit of bit of time off here. Uh, we did not record an, an episode over the weekend, so we are uh, basically going to recap the entire week on this Thursday, May the twentieth. And you know, I am thinking going forward, we do the Monday Thursday. It has just worked out better. You know, we're not recording during Sunday night baseball, and we can kind of recap. Everything that happened over the weekend. And then Thursday's your common day where new series start. And sometimes the schedule's even lighter because there are uh, some teams that are off. You know, like the Mets are, Mets are off today. Um, the Padres are off today. So, you know, you know, it's not a day where you have all 30 teams in action. So it kind of gives us a little bit of... A breather and it allows us to kind of just, you know, and Monday could be the same too, depending on when your series starts. But, you know, it, it just feels more natural doing this on a Monday and a Thursday instead of the Sunday, Wednesday. So that's what we're going to do going forward. Uh, we got lots to get to over the next little while. Um, the show today could be a little bit longer since we did not do one on Sunday. But um, as I'm watching MLB.com, and they're showing videos for some from some highlights around the around the majors today, uh, we had some afternoon games. Uh, include we have, I believe, five finals around baseball right now. Uh, six finals actually. So we'll get, get started with that. Uh, Giants defeated the Reds 19 to four. Steven Duggar hit a hit a grand slam. His second home run of the year that gave them an eight nothing lead. Uh, Rays crushed the Orioles ten to one behind six solid innings uh, from Rich Hill. Yankees defeat the Rangers in an afternoon affair two nothing. This on the heels of the Corey Kluber no hitter, which we will get to in just a moment. Cubs defeat the Nationals five to two. Astros defeat the A's. 8-4, Twins in game, Angels in Game 1 defeat the Twins 7-1. They're playing Game 2 right now uh, with Minnesota up 5-3. to three. Uh, That was when Minnesota had their COVID issue uh, a few weeks back, and they are making the two, up, the two games up on a common off day. So let's start with the no-hitters as we have been accustomed to. So let's count them now. One- with Joe Musgrove, two with Carlos Rodon, three with um, uh, yeah, I'm losing the name. I know John Means threw a no hitter. Uh, you had uh, who was that third no hitter? Who was that third no hitter this year? Uh, I am losing it. I will. It will come back to me. It'll come back to me at some point. We also, and then this week we had. Oh no! I did have no. I was missing the fourth. John Means was the third. Wade Miley was the fourth. And then you have the two this week with you the Spencer Turnbull no hitter, and then Garrett uh, not Garrett Cole Corey Kluber on back to back nights on Tuesday and Wednesday, and you know I'm. You know, I'm one of those guys who will always check in 
on a no-hitter if it's getting late in the game. And for whatever reason, I did not check the score, the scores before I went to bed on Tuesday night. And I had no idea that the, the, the Tigers-Mariners game was going on with Spencer Turnbull tossing a no-hitter. So, I mean, I would have stayed up if that was the case. Um, however, I found out the next morning and I watched the end of the game, you know, watched the end of the highlights of the end of the game. And look, I understand we've been through six no-hitters this season and, you know, seven if you want to technically count the Madison Bumgarner seven-inning uh, no-hit job in the doubleheader against Atlanta. You know, right now it's not counted, so we're at six for the year. Seven is the record for most of the season, and I believe the last time we had seven was 2012. Now, 2012 was also the last time we had a perfect game uh, when Felix Hernandez uh, threw a perfect game against the Tampa Bay Rays. And, you know, speaking of the Seattle Mariners, you know, they were the team that got no hit by, by Spencer Turnbull. They've been no hit now twice this season. They also got no hit by Wade Miley. You had the Indians get no hit twice. And you also had the Rangers get no hit twice. The Rangers got no hit by Joe Musgrove to start the season on April the 9th. Well, not opening day, but on April the 9th, the first no hitter of the year was Joe Musgrove, which was the first in Padres history. Uh, and then you had the Corey Kluber no hitter after he spent one year pitching one inning after a shoulder tear. That ended his season on, on in his first start. So, Corey Kluber, he got the no-hitter against the Rangers. And then John Means and Wade Miley no-hit the Cleveland Indians. And that is our sixth for the season. So, so out of the six no-hitters, it's only been three teams. And they are three of their three low off, lowly offenses. You know, Texas can hit a little bit, so their struggles over the last couple of days, even against the Yankee pitching, uh, actually is a little bit surprising. But the Indians are not a great offensive team. The The uh, Mariners are not a great offensive team. And, you know, Jared Kelenic, who got called up, you know, had that big three-for-four day uh, in his second major league game. But other than that, he really hasn't done a whole heck of a lot yet. And I know there's going to be plenty of time, and I know that they're going to give him uh, ample opportunity to, you know, find his footing in the big leagues and allow him to get his bat going and just really get, you know, allow him to get his feet wet so he looks more comfortable at the plate. And, you know, but going back to these no-hitters, you know, I know a lot of people are feeling like it's losing a lot of luster because they've been so common and we're having a year where the baseball was supposedly messed with and deadened and look, offensive numbers are down across the board and it's, it's unfortunate. We, you know, I love to see offense. I like when runs are scored, but I also enjoy a good no hitter. And, you know, to me, it hasn't lost its, it hasn't lost its specialness because you look at a guy like Kluber last night. Look what he has dealt with over the last couple of years with arm trouble and shoulder trouble. And to come back and start to get his groove going and then to throw the no-hitter last night. And, 
here's a Yankee club that had not thrown a no-hitter since the perfect game of David Cohn in 1999. So certain teams have gone on quite a drought on no-hitters. And, you know, like I, like I mentioned with the Joe Musgrove no-hitter, that was the first in the, in the Padres franchise history. They were the last team to have not thrown a no-hitter. So, you know, it, I still enjoy it despite how common it has been. And I don't know if, I don't know how many more there will be. I really don't. There might, you know, there's not, I don't know if there's going to be, I doubt there's going to be one tonight. Diamondbacks, Dodgers are the last chance because the Phillies have like three or four hits and they're, they're the only team being shut out. Currently, the Rangers were shut out, but you know we would have known by now if that was a no hitter. So, you know, you know, our two night streak of having a no hitter is over. But you know, to be honest, it's still fun. It's still special because every play gets magnified. Because you know, and you look at the ninth inning last night at at Globe Life Field, uh, the one you know with one out. They hit the ball. the The batter hits the ball to right field, and for a second, I wasn't sure if Yankee outfielder Tyler Wade was in good enough position to make that catch. And it turned out he was able to run it down. And you know he was you know he was filling in for the injured Ryan Lemaire, but you know it's so he had just came in, come into the game, and you know boy, what a time! You know, you, you you're coming. You know when you're a player who comes into the game and your player comes into the game cold. You didn't start the game and you're coming in for defense with a pitcher who has a no hitter. I mean, my God, you're like walking on eggshells. You are certainly making sure you are doing everything you can to preserve that no hitter. And I can only imagine how, how Wade was feeling in the outfield last night. Uh, coming to the game and having to and having to run that that line drive down, uh, going towards the right field foul line. So, congratulations to Corey Kluber. Congratulations to Spencer Turnbull of the Detroit Tigers. It was for them. It was the eighth no hitter in franchise history. Uh, six pitchers have thrown a no hitter, combining for a total of eight. You know, Justin Verlander is. Is uh, is one with multiple. I think he's got three. So every other pitcher has one. The other five pitchers have one, and then there's Verlander with three no hitters. So, and I do believe all three were with the Tigers. So I mean, Verlander was the last, and also Verlander was the last to throw a no hitter for the Tigers. And you know, there are certain teams who have a longer list than others with no hitters. You know the the Yankees only have twelve, and it was it was actually funny listening to uh, Boomer and Geo on WFAN. They were kind of going over some of the guys who threw a no hitter for the uh, Yankees, and they they went to, they went to some real old time names, but you know it ha- again it hadn't happened since the David Cohn perfect game. Back in 1999, you know, you also had the David Wells perfect game. I think that was 1998. You had, a, I think it was 1996, when Doc Gooden threw a no-hitter. 
Jim Abbott, the the famous pitcher who was born without a right hand. He threw a no-hitter for the Yankees. So, you know, it's, it's in Yankee history, it's actually it's actually pretty rare in Yankee franchise history. And for them, you know, this historic franchise that's won 27 world titles, you know, to only have 12. Now, I think the White Sox have like 20-something because I do remember the number being pretty high when uh, Carlos Rodon threw the no-hitter because, remember, they had Lucas Giolito throw a no-hitter last year. And in the truncated 60-game season, there was two no-hitters. There was the Lucas Giolito and the Alec Mills no-hitter of the Cubs. And that was it. But we were already up to six. And, you know, you could blame the offense. You could blame the dead in baseballs. You know, it still takes... It still takes a pitcher with a special effort on a, on a special night to throw a no-hitter. And I... I still take pride in that, in in feeling in feeling excited about a no hitter. I'm hoping the Mets throw a no hitter this year. You know, may, you know, maybe Jacob Degrom will throw one. Who knows? But you know, my my feeling is if it's going to be a Met, and I know Johan Santana was a pretty prominent pitcher, and he threw his he threw the only no hitter in Mets history. But I kind of actually feel like if. The Mets are going to throw a no-hitter. It's, it's going to be somebody that's, like, off the radar. Like, it's going to be a Carlos Carrasco. Or it's, going to be, it's, going, it's going to be a David Peterson. It, it's going to be somebody. It's going to be somebody off, like, off-brand. It's not going to be a Jacob deGrom or, when he comes back, Noah Syndergaard. And that's where I want to transition to with the Mets because of the injuries. And I hate that I talk about this every single episode, but... Injuries, 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 just ravaging the sport. You know, we talked about last time the Corey Seager broken hand. He's out for a while. And Albert Pujols signing with the Dodgers. It gives the Dodgers an opportunity now to play Albert a little bit at first base. And it allows the Dodgers a little bit of cushion because he's at first. You got Max Muncy playing some second base. You slide Gavin Lux over to shortstop where he's going to get the bulk of playing time there without Seager. And, you know, it helps fill the void a little bit. They're still waiting on Corey Seager to return. Uh, A.J. Pollock is on the I.L. So the Dodgers are dealing with a ton of injuries. Uh, They just got David Price back, and he's actually going to be making the start against Arizona tonight. That game is a 10-10, and I would imagine... Let me go to MLB Network for a minute. That's the last game. Um, yeah, from 10.30 to 1, uh, Arizona and L.A. will be on MLB Network. I guess it'll just come on right after this Blue this Blue Jays-Red Sox game ends. But, you know, with all the injuries in baseball, and the Mets, the Mets have, have really hit the injury bug. I mean, you had that Sunday... In Tampa, where Michael Conforto and Jeff McNeil left with strained hamstrings, they're on the IL. 
Taiwan Walker left his left his last start in Atlanta. He went to the IL with some uh, with some back tightness. You know the Mets had to place Jacob Degrom on the injured list, and he was actually making a rehab start in uh, in Port St. Lucie tonight for the Mets, and I'll get to that in a minute. But you know Noah Syndergaard and Carlos Carrasco are working their way back. You know they're not particularly close. Uh, Seth Lugo seems to be a little bit closer. He's making his rehab. Um, you got J.D. Davis rehabbing. Uh, Brandon Nimmo was rehabbing, but apparently he felt pain in his hand, and he is now being treated by the team back. You know, with the, you know, as they are heading to Miami for a weekend series, but he's staying with the club until he is ready to go on a rehab assignment. So he might be out for a while. Um, and now Pete Alonso is dealing with a bruised hand. I, I don't know what the extent of that's going to be. He was out of the lineup yesterday in the series finale against Atlanta. And, you know, I'm proud of the resilience the Mets have shown. But, you know, I don't know how long this can keep up with all the injuries. And, you know, but every team is dealing with their own laundry list of injuries. I mean, the Padres had a ton of guys on the IL. Now, granted, some of that was COVID-related because Fernando Tatis tested positive, and, you know, guys like Will Myers and Eric Hosmer and Jorge Bateo, they all had to go on the COVID IL. But, you know, they're dealing with injuries in their own right, and, you know, as is every team. But certain teams have just felt it more than others. I mean, right now, Aaron Hicks and Giancarlo Stanton are on the Yankees IL. Uh, they are down for a little while, and what what sucks about Stanton is you might not see him until August. Now, the prognosis does not seem that bad, but given the player's history and, you know, what we know about Stanton, it might be longer than the, that than Aaron Boone's initially leading on. So, that's the biggest worry you really have. But, you know, for the Mets... For, for teams that are missing a ton of players, you just have to hold the fort until you can get the cavalry back because it is, you know, we know it's a long season. We know injuries happen, but to have this many injuries is just utterly unbelievable. It's and it's across baseball. And and your and your heart drops every time. Anytime you see Mike Trout goes down and, oh, you hate seeing that. You hate seeing injuries to anybody. But when, when the when the best players in the sport go down, it is just absolutely awful. And, you know, now Trout looks like he's going to be out six to eight weeks uh, with a calf strain. So it looks like it's a significant calf strain because he's going to be down for a while. And that's going to... You know, and, and the pressure's going to be now on Shohei Otani. You know, he pitched okay yesterday, but he got pulled after four and two-thirds. Uh, velocity noticeably down. And, um, you know, apparently there's no concern. I just read an article about uh, the conversation that Joe Madden, the manager, and Otani had about his arm. And, you know, there's really no concern. And, you know, he went to, the, he, he went to right field when he was done pitching. So it keeps his bat in the lineup, and they are going to need his bat in the lineup. 
when Shohei Otani pitches, the Angels cannot have a DH because they need Otani's bat in the lineup. And when you're, especially when you're missing Trout, you know you're now relying on Otani. You're relying on Anthony Rendon. You're relying on Jared Walsh, and those guys have those guys have played well. But the one guy who needs to pick his game up, and he had a he had a big three run homer the other night. That's Justin Upton. Justin Upton's the guy who's got to step up the most because, you know, we've seen good. Like I said, we've seen good stuff out of Otani at the plate. We've seen really good. You know, we know what kind of player Anthony Rendon is. He's one of the best offensive third basemen. He might be the number. He might be the third best offensive third baseman in baseball behind. Uh, no, yeah, he actually might be better offensively than Matt Chapman. But, but you know. Everybody's behind Nolan Arenado at this point. Uh, you, you maybe could put Alex Bregman up there, but you know Anthony Rendon is a top tier third baseman. We know how good he is, and then Jared Walsh, and that's the reason why they were ready to move on from Albert Pujols is because Jared Walsh is breaking out, and Jared Walsh needs to play every day, and. You know, Walsh is a home run tonight. I believe it occurred. I believe his home run was in game two. And he's a guy that just has to play every day. So it's it, it's really on a lot of players. A lot of players facing more pressure to step up in these uncertain times with all these injuries. And, you know, not not so much COVID outbreaks. We've for the most part, done okay. I know there was some issues within the uh, the uh, Yankee organization, and those were actually some vaccinated personnel, players and staffers. Uh, the Padres had a little bit of their own COVID issue, but they're getting their guys. They're getting their guys back right now. And other than that, we really haven't heard too much and you know the good news is there are more people getting vaccinated each and every day and um, we're trending in the right direction where you know we're playing on on uninterrupted and you know sports like the NBA and NHL you know they had to move some games around to make sure every team in the NBA played 72 and you know the NHL just finished up their regular season yesterday uh, with the end of the Jets and Flames, uh, the Canucks and Flames or something like that, because the Canucks had that really, really bad COVID outbreak where they were shut down for like almost a month. But, you know, the NHL moved, maneuvered around to play all 56 games. The, the uh, NFL played on interrupted. Every team played their 16 games. And then, you know, and baseball's doing their maneuvering now. You know, the Mets are going to have to make up some games with the Nationals uh, because of their because of the Nationals ha- had that COVID issue uh, to start the season. But overall, I think we're starting to get a good hold on the situation. And, you know, it seems like um, across the country the numbers are going down, you know, a lot of that could be attributed to good weather. A lot of that could be attributed to more people getting vaccinated. So we're basically able to continue our sports on un- 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 uninterrupted. And 
you know, it was a night like last night. You just don't take for you don't take sports for granted anymore. You know, we had that whole shutdown for months where we didn't see sports from mid March until baseball returned in July. And you know, last night I was slipping between the Mets game. Had to go to the had to go to the Kluber no hitter late. Uh, I was watching the Lakers game. I was also watching some of the Spurs and Grizzlies games. And I was also watching some of the uh, NHL playoffs, which I'm also doing right now as well, as well as the NBA play-in game and keeping track on, you know, what's going on in Major League Baseball so that you, the listener, are more well-informed and I am able to provide you with the best information possible. So... uh, I don't know what we could do to prevent some of these injuries, but and you know, speaking of injuries, one one injury that's unpreventable is that Ke- the Kevin Pilar injury. And my God, I I was shaken up seeing that, get, watching him get hit in the face, uh, you know, and, and I and I feel bad for Jacob Webb, the brave pitcher who hit him. You know, I can only imagine. How he feels, how he felt after that pitch was released, and it was a ninety-five mile an hour, mile an hour fastball hitting him square in the nose, and you know he looks like a boxer that just went fifteen rounds, busted nose, both eyes are both both black eyes. I mean, it was it was he still looks rough, but. He's a gamer. He's on the IL as well, but he will probably be back as soon as he can see. He seems having trouble seeing a little bit, and that's that's a little that's a little concerning. But you know, you know, I hopefully and you know, I think he'll be okay, and hopefully he is. But the injury, there's a lot of injuries across baseball that are seem to be preventable. It's the soft tissue injuries. Like the hamstrings and the quads, you know, those are the ones that need to be prevented a little bit more, and it it could be the it could be the stretching factor. It's, it could be a number of factors that are affecting these players, and I also think the fact that we played a sixty game season a year ago, and now you're back to one hundred and sixty two. So it's been two years. Since these players played in a full 162-game campaign. And I think that's taking its toll, too. It's taking its toll on pitchers. It's taking its toll on position players. And, you know, we're just going to have to get through this grind as best as we, as best as we possibly can. And, you know, as great as the season has been so far, it is just so bad seeing so many players go down it's it's really tough to watch it really is all right i want to shift gears now to a look around the major leagues we went through the scores earlier um want to take a look at the standings that we are sitting with here on may the 20th right now it is a very very close race in the american league east you have four teams separated by a game and a half you got Boston leading right now at 26 and 18, with the Rays just a half game behind at 26 and 19. And then there are the Yankees a game back at 25 and 19. 
as well as the Blue Jays sitting at 23 and 18. So we got a close division all around, and then you got the Orioles. The Orioles sitting eight and a half back. And, you know, speaking of the Orioles, and you cannot feel any happier for. I could not feel any happier for Trey Mancini than I do. He come, you know, he comes back from cancer, you know, dealing with colon cancer last year, and now he's and now he's leading the league in RBIs. He's got thirty nine on the year. Could be the very well be the first to forty. He's got ten home runs, three in his last two days, and you know he's just. He, he better be an all-star. I, I will tell you that. If Trey Mancini's not an all-star, uh, something's wrong with human human walks of life. That's for damn sure. And I don't mean... Yeah, exactly. And I don't mean putting him in via the bench and the coaches and managers make those picks. No, I want the fans to vote him in as one of the three outfielders. You know, and especially... One guaranteed all-star is not going to be there now. With Trout, he might get voted in. But, you know, Trout won't be there. He might not come back until the all-star break. So, who knows who's going to be able to take that spot. So, I would like to see Trey Mancini be an all-star starter in 2021. As for the American League Central, things have started to... Uh, widen out a little bit, and the biggest surprise is the team sitting in last place. That's the Minnesota Twins. Their pitching has been dreadful. Their offense has not been as good as it has been in years past, and they are 14-28, sitting 12 games out of the Chicago White Sox, who are leading at 26-16. and on the year, and they open up a weekend series in the Bronx, playing the New York Yankees. And then you have the Indians two and a half games behind. But the Indians are not a the Indians are not really a high scoring team. You look at the White Sox; they've scored two hundred and twenty two runs. The Indians have have only scored one hundred and sixty six, which is the second fewest. In the American League Central, only the Tigers have scored less. You know, even the Royals have scored more. And the Royals, after that nice April, are now sitting at 20 and 22. They're 4 and 6 in their last 10. They had that really rough stretch where they lost 11 in a row. And that kind of uh, faded away any good feelings that they had from their opening, their opening start. So they're sitting in third place. The Tigers are nine and a half out at 17 and 26. Obviously, they got the no-hitter from Spencer Turnbull the other night. American League West is tight up top and uh, spread out a little bit lower. What are we watching here? We got, oh, I thought that went in. I have the Islanders-Penguins postseason game on. Yeah, I'm switching sports for just a second. Um... The American League West, now led by the Houston Astros, sitting at 26-18. They're 8-2 over the last 10. An American League high, 237 runs. And 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 the second-best run differential, they're at a plus 66. Only the White Sox, plus 
73. And the White Sox at, at 149 have allowed the fewest runs in the American League. And that pitching staff, which I touted early on and pr- in the preseason to be one of the best in the American League, they have certainly been just that. They have been the best pitching staff, allowing the fewest runs in the American League. And they are just, they are, and they're, and they're cruising. And the Astros have hit their groove as well. They'll, they'll open up a three-game series at the Texas Rangers coming up starting tomorrow. And then the A's are just a half game back. They're 26 and 19. Uh, they're kind of meddling right now. The issue for them is their pitching has not been great. They're sitting at a minus 18 run differential. 186 score, 204 allowed. And, you know, they're kind of going to be a streaky team. I know a lot of their, vic- you know, half their victories are riding on that 13 game win streak that they had. And if you take that away, they're 13 and 19. So, I mean, nobody's going to take that away from them. But, you know, the, the A's have been a bit of a streaky team this year. And they probably are, you know, they, to me, I think they're still the best team in the division. But, because, you know, the Astros have scored a ton of runs. But I still don't really trust their pitching uh, when push comes to shove. Then you have Seattle in third place. I don't think that's their permanent home, but they're sitting right now 21 and 23. And look, they're starting to kind of go back to the Mariners that we know. They've struggled over the last 10. They're 3 and 7. And, you know, right now they're holding off the Angels in Texas. The Angels are 19 and 24. And the Angels have allowed a league high, American League high, two hundred and thirty-four runs, and they've scored one hundred and ninety-four. They've scored, they've scored some runs, but you know they are just a mess on the pitching staff. I heard Dylan Bundy's start had to be pushed back. I don't know if there's an injury issue or a fatigue issue. I'm not sure what that's been about. Um, Joe Madden didn't quite reveal that, at least at this point. So the Angels pitching staff has just been absolutely dreadful. You know, Otani's got to be moved around at times because of his fatigue issues and knowing that his bat's got to stay in the lineup. So there's a whole set of maneuvering with the Angels and that their pitching has just been beyond dreadful. So they're in fourth and the Texas is in fifth. As for the National League right now, the National League East, the team with the lowest amount of runs, well, I mean, they've also played the fewest games. The Mets have played 37 games. We know they've had a ton of postponements. The weather did not treat them kind either the first couple of weeks of the season. So you had that COVID breakout with the Nationals in which the entire first series was canceled. And then you have the multiple postponements that the Mets have not made all up yet, and they are, you know, they've only played 37 games, but they're a team that has not done great offensively, and they are currently sitting at 20-17 and 17 with a one-game lead in first place in the National League East. But they've also allowed 
a tied for the National League low 138 runs. They are tied with the San Diego Padres in that category. Then you got the Phillies sitting a game back. The Phillies are just a confusing team. You know, you know, you know, you got Bryce Harper. You know, you got guys like Real Muto and Gregorius. Although Gregorius is injured and on the IL, uh, Real Muto has been banged up. He's day to day. And then there's the pit, there's the Philly bullpen, which to be nice is an absolute fucking train wreck. I mean, that's there's no two ways about it. The the Philly bullpen's a train wreck, and they you know, they will never be consistent without that without a good without a good bullpen. Um, and then the Braves are sitting in third place, three games back of the Mets at twenty and twenty three. And you know, to me, it's really been about their pitching. Their pitching has really struggled, and you know. Some nights that they, some nights they just have not been able to keep up, and it's hurt them. And you know they get a nice breather by playing Pittsburgh this weekend, but you know they just came off losing two out of three to the Mets, and the Mets are a team that they they handle usually uh, very well, especially down in Atlanta. You know it seems like Atlanta's always a house of horrors for the Mets, but the Mets were able to get a nice. Series victory, two out of three, and really patching it together with their bullpen because of all the injuries that we had discussed earlier with the team. And then you got Miami and Washington rounding out the division, a couple of nondescript teams, and you know, but I mean, every team's separated within four and a half games, which is not a lot. But with the Nationals continuing to sit in last place, it begs the question of. When do teams start calling the Nationals about Max Scherzer? Max Scherzer is due to be a free agent at the end of the season. He will um, undoubtedly be a top target of any contending team. Likely outside the National League East. I don't think the Nats would trade within the division. Uh, They will be the team that will content they will be the he will be the most hotly contested uh trade asset uh this July 31st over to the National League Central now we have the Cardinals starting to assert themselves at 25 and 18 and speaking of the Cardinals I want to give a huge absolutely huge shout out to the guy that I predicted would win the National League Cy Young this year, and that is Jack Flaherty. He has been utterly unbelievable. Aside from his first start of the year, he has just been absolutely filthy this year. And you know he's eight. He is eight and zero on the year. He started nine games. He is eight and zero. A two five three ERA. And. 55 strikeouts over 53 and a third innings and a slightly, just slightly less than one whip. I mean, you look at his starts this year. April 1st, he got the, that's where he got the no decision. Four and a third, six hits, six runs, two walks, four strikeouts, two home runs allowed. He's in... 
In the first start, he allowed two home runs. In the next eight, he's allowed two home runs. Against Miami, six innings, one hit, four walks, six strikeouts, no runs allowed. Five innings, three hits, one run, six strikeouts. Six innings, six hits. Struggled a little bit in this one, but only two of his five runs were earned. Walked two, struck out five. Uh, so, I mean, he has, he is really, you know, he's really brought, I mean, he had to bring that ERA down from 12-4-6. When he, when he left the game on, on opening day, he had a 12.46 ERA, and then it went down to 5.23, 4.11, 3.80, uh, 3.18. Okay, gave up three earned runs, it went up to 341, and then he's brought it down to 283, 247, it went slightly up to 253 in uh, his last start against the Pirates, which was an 8-5 victory, giving him his league-high eighth win of the year. And it is just... I mean, he's get, he's getting good run support. He is... But he's also pitching well. And he is not a... This is not a Fakakta situation where, sure, we, we've, we've devalued wins because of how... how much bullpen is used. But you look at how good he's pitching. And, you know, well, you know, his ERA is not quite to Grom. It's not quite, you know, where some other pitchers are at. You know, he is, you can't take anything away from what he has done this year. So Jack Flaherty, you know, right now he is on absolute fire. Second place, three games back are the Cubs at 22-21. and 21. They're another team like the Nationals that could be sellers at the deadline if they're not involved in the, contention, in the content, contending race for the postseason. Right now, they're number two, and I do think they'll stay there, so that might make things a little bit difficult for teams to want to ask for an Anthony Rizzo, a, a Chris Bryant, guys who are going to be free agents at the end of the year. Milwaukee sits at 21 and 22. There are four games back. Cincinnati 19 and 23. Cincinnati is one of the best offenses in the entire league, but they also have one of the worst pitching staffs known to mankind. And um, you know, well, Nick Castellanos knocks the knocks the crap out of every ball he swings at. Two innings later, they're they're losing. And then there is Pittsburgh. At 17-25 in last place. National League West is the biggest surprise of them all. Although the Dodgers have started to get hot. The Giants are hot themselves. You know, we talked about the 19-4 victory they had over the Reds today. The Giants are 28-16 on the year. They've won five in a row. And have only allowed 149 runs. That is third in the National League. As the Mets and, like I said, the Mets and Padres are tied for the fewest runs allowed in the league, in the National League. And then you got the Padres just one game back at 27 and 17. Uh, the Dodgers are now 25 and 18. And then you have the Rockies and Diamondbacks. Well, Diamondbacks are fourth, the Rockies are in fifth, and they are completely buried. 10 games back for the Diamondbacks, 13 and 13 out for the 
Colorado Rockies. So that's a look at the standings, a little bit of a recap and update. So we talked about the injuries, talked about the no-hitter situation. Um, It's going to really cover it all for this edition of Baseball Banter. Uh, We will be back on Monday with another episode, and we will see what happens over the weekend. Maybe we have another no-hitter to talk about. Uh, Who the hell knows at this point? So, so again, that'll do it for this edition of Baseball Banter. Don't forget, download the Sokoa Media app. Do yourself a favor. Download it today. Read some great articles by some great writers. Listen to some great podcasts by some people who are looking to get into the business. And, you know, there are a lot of us who are have had tough times breaking through into the media business, you know, whether it's in the radio business as a play-by-play uh, broadcaster, you know, it's not been easy. And, you know, I got to commend Joe Sokoa, who is the leader of the app. You know, it's his name, Sokoa Media. He is, a, he's done a terrific job. You know, he's a terrific broadcaster in his own right. I've heard a little bit of his hockey play-by-play that he does. Great writer. Great podcaster. You know, he's done a terrific job setting this app up for, you know, people who want to get into the business and, you know, do radio, do podcasting, whatever it is, writing. And so do yourself a favor. Download the app today. It's available in the Apple Store for iPhone. The Google, was a Google Play? Is that the Android thing? I think it is. Uh, you can download it there. Plenty of places to download it. Also, my podcast, Baseball Banter, is also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and on on Anchor. Well, I don't know if you really could actually listen to it on Anchor. You might be able to. I don't use the Anchor app too much. I only use the uh, internet platform, to the, the PC platform, to upload everything that is recorded. So... We'll talk to you again on Monday. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday night or Friday morning, whenever the hell you choose to listen to it. Take it easy.